0: Good morning to you. It is Eric Erickson this Friday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But can you tell the difference anymore between the days? It is Friday. I want to do my public service to you to let you know that. Uh, The phone number, if you want to call in and be a part of the program is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Before I get anywhere else, I wasn't going to do the, the, this hour sponsored by, but I will just say we, we will declare this hour sponsored by First Liberty, but I need to talk about them e- indirectly. Um, so the Frost family owns First Liberty, uh, building loan, firstlibertyga.com. And I have been recommending people go there to get their payroll protection program money beyond that uh they then stepped up and and offered to sponsor the program so this hour is sponsored by first liberty of georgia if you need to get into the payroll protection program go there but there's a problem and they're getting angry emails uh from some listeners because they're being denied the the listeners small businesses are being denied access into the program and, and they're blaming first liberty or they're blaming me they're blaming the frost or blaming somebody Here's what you need to understand. It's not First Liberty's fault. It's not my fault. It is Nancy Pelosi's fault. And we'll get into the reopening. We'll get into all that. So this this you need to understand. Congress allocated $250 billion to the payroll protection program. Everyone agreed that that wasn't going to be enough, but they needed to get the program out there. And they thought, you know, we'll come back and we'll add money to it. So they got it out there, and it was very clear within 48 hours of the program being out there that the money was going to be maxed out. And in so doing, the Republicans knew we'll come out, we'll come right back, and we'll add more money. So they came back, they added more money, and the Democrats blocked the legislation. Nancy Pelosi blocked the legislation, and it actually is the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi actually is the one. He even Chuck Todd on uh, MSNBC yesterday was going after Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats for doing this, saying it wasn't wise. They were going to live to regret it, and they are. So if you go to – and it doesn't matter. If, I, if Listen, if you need to get into the payroll protection program, here's the bottom line. Go on and get the paperwork in, and you'll get in line you're going to get denied but uh they they can keep you active so go to firstlibertyga.com if you don't have a place so you can go to one of the uh, you know we've got a renaissance uh and a cadence bank by our house uh the bank of americas and the chases they're helping bigger businesses they're not really into you right now they want big money uh but the smaller banks the cadences what's the one up the road for me the bank of the ozarks i think there's a bank of the ozarks now in in middle georgia i think they've got some in atlanta Cadence, But First Liberty, they sponsor the program. It's a great way to help me and this show as well by supporting our advertisers. Go to them, tell them you need into the program, and they can get you in for when the next wave of money comes. But you need to talk to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. But that's what you need to understand. It's not your bank's fault right now. It is not your credit union's fault. It's not your building and loans fault that you can't actually get into the program. The fault belongs with the Democrats, and it really does. And even some Democrats are out there now pointing out the fact that they have screwed this up royally and people are going to give them blame. In fact, there's new polling out right now in the 6th Congressional District. Here in Georgia, uh, Karen Handel is ahead of Lucy McBath. And the reason has a lot to do with these sorts of things. Uh, the The sixth congressional district here in Georgia has a lot of um, has a lot of small businesses. That's the Roswell, Sandy Springs area. If you're familiar with it, that that area, uh, North Atlanta, North Metro Atlanta, they got a lot of small business owners and a lot of mid sized businesses as well. And the Democrats are holding up now that money for the payroll protection program because they want another spending spree. And the Republicans are saying, look, we'll look at hospitals. We'll look at big businesses. We'll look at casinos and airlines. We'll look at everything you want to look at. But right now, this money needs pro- this program needs money ASAP. And you've actually got Democrats out there who are attacking Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats now. You've actually got Democrats out there in panic mode saying, oh, my gosh, we got to do something. We got to do something. Why aren't we fixing this program? When you've got people on MSNBC, and listen, I I know and like Chuck Todd a lot. We don't always agree. But I do know him. I do like him. And it is notable when Chuck Todd is willing to go on MSNBC, the network that Democrats watch, and tell the Democrats on that network, uh, you got problems. It is notable when Chuck Todd is willing to point the finger at Nancy Pelosi and say this isn't sustainable. It is notable when uh, Nicole Wallace and others on MSNBC say that. It is notable when CNN itself also says that it is the Democrats holding up this money. I think it's finally dawning on them that there actually is a problem. It is dawning on them that there's gonna be a backlash on the Democrats. And, and you can read it how you want. You can read it as the, the the anchors are trying to save the Democrats from themselves. You can read it as, as damage control. You can read it however you wanna read it. But the fact is it is highly notable that the Democrats are the, the folks on MSNBC among others are the ones who are out there right now Say, wait, hold on a second, hold on. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's doing this, and she needs to stop doing this. If you need to get into the program, go to your local bank and tell them. You know the money's not there yet. You're really going to need it. Can they get you in the queue? And many of your local banks will tell you yes, they can. Some some may not be able to. Honestly, um, I, I did hear this, and I can't tell you who I heard it from, but it's actually a, a bank executive from a pretty prominent prominent bank. Uh, that used to be headquartered in Atlanta, um, and uh, you may be able to figure out you may be able to figure out who I was talking to with that. Uh, but he's his system can't do it right now; they are maxed out. Uh, and and he was actually he he listens to my evening show in Atlanta, and we say there they can't. Um, and and he is telling friends who are complaining. Uh, they may need to go look elsewhere. But uh, keep in mind, smaller banks right now, this is a win for smaller banks. One of the big issues that the big banks are look, are, are running into as well as capitalization requirements, a lot of small businesses, there's a lot of data suggesting they may not survive. And as a result of that, uh, big banks are hesitant to capitalize them because they would be on the hook if they, if, if look, if the, the way the payroll protection program works, as Congress designed it, is Congress is going to front you the money to cover your employees. And if you maintain your payroll, then the loan is forgiven. If you don't maintain your payroll, it's a 1% loan. And you know, some businesses, like for example, Ruth Chris. Ruth Chris is a multimillion dollar company with several thousand employees spread around the country. And Ruth's Chris has gotten $10 million from the program because the program only applies To companies with 500 people or less, but there's an exception for restaurants and hotels. And Roos Chris went through Chase Bank, which also um, has a lot of business with Roos Chris, and they were able to slide him into the program. And a lot of people are crying foul with it, but that's the way the law was written. Restaurants and hotels are being hard hit. Uh, most hotels in Atlanta right now have zero occupancy. Uh, Atlanta, which is building excess hotels because it, typically Atlanta exceeds 80% capacity. Uh, and during convention season, Atlanta exceeds 100% capacity. Yeah, let me put it this to you. In normal times in Atlanta during sporting events and big conferences, you, you know, the, the boat show in Atlanta. The boat show happens in uh, the end of the year, beginning of the year, January, I think. I ran into it this year. The boat show happens in Atlanta while the legislature is meeting and Atlanta hotel capacity exceeds 100%. People have to go to Airbnb to find space because there are no hotel rooms in Atlanta. People can't get rooms. Uh, in fact, I ran into a problem this time last year there was a convention in Atlanta. Yeah, it was yeah, we were in April. Yeah, yeah, this was April. Um I needed a hotel room in Atlanta. I had to stay overnight for something. I had to be back up there at 6 o'clock the next morning, and there were no hotel rooms. I literally had to drive home and drive get up. I got home at like midnight and had to get up at 4 a.m. and drive back to Atlanta to make sure I could be there for a meeting because the hotel capacity was gone, even at the airport. Typically, the airport hotels were the last ones to fill up, and, and even they sometimes will fill up. And I say all that to say that that at this time of year particularly at this time of year Atlanta typically is between 80 and 90% full in hotel capacity and right now Atlanta is at 8%, not 80, 8 single digits. Most of the major hotels have closed. Uh the downtown Hyatt, the downtown Sheraton, the Four Seasons, the 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 Ritz, the uh the Grand Hyatt, the the Ho- Intercontinental Hotel, all those I think are are all closed. 8% of the rooms are full. There was a story in the in the um, AJC this morning that the Artmore Hotel in downtown Atlanta, it's a, it's a hipster uh, small hotel. It's actually two blocks from my office in Atlanta. It has 109 rooms. It has 10 rooms full right now. And you know who all 10 of those people are? They're people who got tired of being at home and decided to go to a hotel. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not making that up, by the way. Yeah, the Artmore Hotel has, has 109 rooms and 10 of them are full and all 10 of them are people who got tired of being at home, wanted to change the scenery. So they went to stay at the Artmore for a night. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so all that is to say hotels and restaurants can get into the PPP program uh, for, for for obvious reasons. The problem though is that there was only $250 billion. It is now why it was wiped out within 48 hours. So people are applying for the for the payroll protection program and being denied. And it's not because of your bank. It's not because of of any bank you applied at. It, it is because of the program. And that is because Nancy Pelosi told the Democrats to fight for other stuff, that they were going to hold small businesses hostage for their preferred programs. And you should remember that. All of this blame at at the president, at Brian Kemp, and others for shutting things down. Remember, first of all, first of all, let me make this point. Every single one of you right now who's listening, who is is right of center and mad as hell at Brian Kemp for having shut down the state of Georgia, would you prefer Stacey Abrams? Because the Abrams people are out there saying that Brian Kemp made a mistake by not shutting it down sooner. And now they're out there saying he's going to make a mistake by opening sooner than he should they're already turning it into a 2022 campaign issue that that he cost lives because he didn't shut you down and lock you in in home sooner and that he didn't enforce it with with the law enforcement i don't know that that's going to be a winning argument but i will tell you this uh is suburban republican voters in atlanta are more than 50% of them support shelter in place right now and that's where the bulk of the population of the state is and when you got more than 50% of republicans sheltering in place saying this is a good thing I, I I don't know that your come on out now and let's reopen tomorrow argument is going to work. But more importantly, when you combine that with some of the loyalties that exist out there, I, I don't know that this argument that Kemp should have done it sooner and leave it in place longer is going to work either because there is a growing backlash. You can tell there's a growing backlash. Even I who support shelter in place am thinking May 1 sounds reasonable to me. Let's just get out there. There is some balance out there, but but it's hard to find. Now, now this circles back to the Payroll Protection Program. Uh, this, this is not an entire opening show monologue on a sponsor, but it is relevant to them because, again, uh, the, the Frost family, I've, I've known them. They're active in politics. Uh, they are sponsors of this program through First Liberty Building and Loan. They are doing their best to help people. I got a very nice note from Mr. Frost who forwarded an angry email from a listener of this program. And so I feel kind of responsible. Uh, the listener, Erickson said you get me in, and you can't get me in. What? What's the matter with you? Is he lying? And and no, it's it's the money's gone. Nancy Pelosi won't refill the money. But go get your application in, and they'll get them processed when the money comes back because the money is coming back. I mean, you've got. I mean, again, when you got Chuck Todd out there telling the Democrats you, you gotta you gotta get this money going, they're gonna get the money going. So if you go to firstlibertyga.com you can go to the Frost family if you go to Cadence Bank, Renaissance Bank, what are the Bank of the Ozarks? Um, man, the, you know, I used to know a bunch of the bank names but they all change names like every 3 months banks change names now. I mean, if I were a bank by the time this show is over it would be the Ericsson Eric show because I we would just change we'd reverse letters. Or the Arikis and Rickus show. I, I, I mean, banks in, in in the nation change names like every, every three months. Let's rebrand. Or hey, let's pick a crap name like Truist. Yes, that's going to get us business. Let's call it Truist. We're not true and we're not the truth. We're just a little bit Truist. Yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible branding decision nonetheless. Um, blame the Democrats, not your local bank for the PPP thing. And it actually is the Democrats. And if you don't believe me, go to MSNBC where even they are blaming the Democrats. Now we do need to get into the methodology for opening the country, which we will do. I will also take your phone calls. Some of you want to vent. And, and I do have questions for some of you. And I want to spend a little time with on this hour. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Hello there. It is... Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. And to the phones, to the phones, to the phones, Steve is calling from Habersham County. How are you, Steve?
1: I'm great. And first, before I ask my question, I would just like to say thank you so much. You've become sort of the one-stop shopping uh station or program because you got the state covered you got the nation covered and even you know when it's in when it's appropriate you've got the world covered well look so, I, uh,
0: I i appreciate it and, and some recipes on occasion too
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah don't, don't let's not forget about food <laughs> anyway <laughs> um up here in habersham a week or so ago we had like a dozen cases Now we've got 57 in the last few days. It's just really so. Are you able to contact anybody, or do you have any information about what the heck happened there in the last less than a week? Is there a hot spot around here, or is there a spreader? uh,
0: As a matter of fact, uh, I have actually. Now this isn't Habersham specific. Uh, but it actually is relevant to to there and, and a couple other places, including Dooley County down in in South Georgia. Uh, the the um um, what, what? Good Lord, my my um. What do the Unadilla area? Um, there are sixty four cases now down there, and four. Overwhelmingly, in some of these counties that that are classified as rural counties, it is nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Um, that is, it, it gets into those places and and runs crazy. In fact, there's a study uh, y- you mentioned world stuff. There's a study from the European Union. Uh, the European Union health experts actually went through and looked at where all the deaths and, and viruses are coming. Get this: this is now this is European. It's not American, but they they noted in the article that it's a very similar pattern here. Fifty percent of all COVID nineteen cases in Europe were in nursing homes. Wow. Yeah. 50%. And in fact, there's a horrible story this morning. Uh, Steve, thanks very much for the phone call. Out of Spain now, there's a horrifying story uh, that they found piles of dead bodies in a nursing home. Um, yep, here we go. Uh, this is the Spanish military. This is from Euro News. This story is actually, this is from the end of March. Elderly people have been found dead and abandoned in nursing homes in Spain, the country's defense minister said. Margarita Roble, speaking in a television interview, said the army had made the discoveries while disinfecting nursing homes. The military found the elderly absolutely abandoned, if not dead, in their beds. She said the vast majority of nursing homes are fulfilling obligations to care, but others are not. Roble did not specify which nursing home she was referring to, The Spanish prosecutor's office said the military has verified, quote, the existence of elderly people, some of them ill, residing in extreme situations and poor conditions as well as deceased residents. Now, hang on a second. Couple that with this. There's a story in New Jersey. After an anonymous tip, 17 bodies have been found in a nursing home hit by a virus. 68 recent deaths of residents and nurses from the facility in the small town of New Jersey. This was two days ago. Uh, Now, there's this from Montreal. Uh, Public health police find bodies and uh, feces at Dorval, Canada, senior residents. 27 people in the nursing home died in two weeks. Now, hang on. Where's the other one? Um, Here you go. NBC News says coronavirus deaths in U.S. nursing homes soared to more than 5,500. That was three days ago. The number of reported coronavirus deaths in long-term care facilities in the United States has doubled to 5,670 since last week, doubled in a week, driving the huge increase in the hardest-hit states. Now, here's the other one. This is the one that I was just talking to Steve about up in Habersham County. Uh, This is from The Guardian, and this story, I'm looking for the date of the story. This is from Monday of this week. Half of coronavirus deaths happen in care homes data from the European union suggests figures from Italy, Spain, France, Ireland, and Belgium suggest the United Kingdom may be understating nursing home deaths. About half of all COVID-19 deaths appear to be happening in nursing homes in European countries. According to early figures gathered by academics who are warning the same thing could happen in great Britain. And they're also seeing the similar pattern play out in the United States. Uh, that's why we're seeing spikes in some of these counties. And I suspect Habersham is in that list. All right. I I, got to tell you all what I did. I'm really disappointed in every single person listening right now. In fact, I am disappointed in every person on the internet right now because it was left to me to come up with this. (laughs) So the Joe Biden campaign, they've got a – all you could do is call it a meme creator. So – such a stupid idea okay um jake tapper i should note the the president has over a hundred million social media followers joe biden has six million um <laughs> so the bite y'all this is so stupid the biden campaign has has on their website you can go to it and you can um upload your picture to the internet to the biden campaign and they will design and it designs this little placard. Hang on. I, I can tell you what it says cuz I did one. I did one. <laughs> oh, did I do one? And it says uh, on the on the right side it, there's a square for your picture and on the left side it says I'm on team Joe. And you can put your name and your your city and and uh, um <laughs> your <city> and state. <laughs> so the the Trump campaign put up a picture of MS-13 gangbangers. It says, I'm on Team Joe, MS-13, and underneath Mexico. Um,
1: <laughs> okay. So what I did,
0: I'm still getting people mad at me. I can't believe you would do that, Eric. I thought you were responsible conservative. So I put up a picture of Kasim Soleimani, the Iranian terrorist mastermind. And I used the fire emoji and covered the picture in the fire emoji. And it says, I'm on Team Joe, Kasim Soleimani from hell. (laughs) I was proud of myself. I was very proud of myself. I'm still getting angry mail from, I thought you were a reasonable conservative. I am. And when a reasonable conservative is pointing that out, maybe you should think. But they're not. (laughs) I was, I'm so disappointed. I had to be the one to come up with, because I'm sure other people could have done a better job, but no, no, it was left to me to take matters into my own hands and do that. Uh, and, and uh, people, people, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in, in everyone who did not come up with that. Now, I want to have a conversation with you, and and again, the phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I will get into the plan to reopen America. It's called a tease. I want you to hang around, and primarily the reason I want you to hang around is because uh, I know for a fact there are some folks that I want to hear what I'm saying. I don't want to have to repeat myself, and they're not going to hear me until after 10 o'clock, so... Right now, I want to have a conversation with you Trump supporters. And I actually want you to call in because I have a question. Looking around on social media and even dealing with, with, with Trump supporters in general right now who call into the program, who call into my evening show, who reached out to me on social media, who who are generally talking on social media, There's a lot of anger about shelter in place nationwide. There's a lot of anger about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx. There's a lot of anger, and and some people are peddling bizarre deep state conspiracy theories and things like that. Here's what I'm actually interested in. Our president, Donald J. Trump, president of the United States, ignored the experts when he moved the embassy to Jerusalem, and they told him it would start a war. Our president Donald J Trump ignored the experts when he withdrew from the Iranian nuclear deal and they said Iran would have a bomb within a year. Our president Donald J Trump ignored the experts when they told him not to get out of the Paris climate accord that it would it would wreck our economy. And our president Donald J Trump ignored the experts. When they said not to engage with North Korea, our experts, when they said not to start a trade war with China, he he did it anyway and wound up being successful. And our experts, when they told him not to shut down the government to build a wall with Mexico, he did it anyway to try to get money from Congress. Time and time again, this president has ignored the experts. He has ignored the experts who told him not to engage with North Korea, not to withdraw from the Iran deal, not to withdraw from the Paris Accord, not to move the embassy, uh, not to do a trade war, not, not to impose tariffs, not to do all of these things. And time and time and time and time and time again, he's ignored the experts and done his own thing and this time he's listening to the experts why i'm actually curious what other people think of this why is the president believing the experts on this when when he, i mean he's a businessman he understands business. He he understands the American economy needs to be going. He understands he had helped foster the greatest, strongest economy in American history. This president got him unemployment to the lowest levels it has ever been, the lowest unemployment for black Americans, the lowest unemployment for Hispanic Americans, the lowest unemployment for women, the lowest unemployment overall since right after World War II this president did it. And frequently he's done it by defying the experts, by ignoring the experts. Why is this different? Why is he listening to the experts now? And what is notable is that he's not being blamed. There's more blame from Republicans towards Brian Kemp for ordering shelter in place in Georgia, even though of all the governors in the nation, he's been the laxest about it. That's one of the things that's completely gone uh, under regarded by a lot of people, including the press, is that uh, Brian Kemp has been the slackest governor when it comes to enforcing shelter in place, and yet it's working. People are staying home. But I, I I don't understand why the president, from his supporters, who so many of them, at least you would think so many of them actually are vocally opposed to shelter in place, so many of them are vocally opposed to shutting down the government, so many of them are vocally opposed to the experts, so many of them are vocally opposed to Fauci and Burks. So many of them think it's overblown, so many of them think it's it's theater, so many of them think that they're really we're we're overplaying our hands, so many of them think it's not a big deal. And yet, why aren't they? going after the president. I I have some thoughts on that, and I'm happy to hear from you, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I'll tell you what I think. Here's what I think. I think the vast majority of the president's supporters actually understand the situation is that bad. I actually think the vast majority of the president's supporters actually recognize that this is different. I suspect there are some of the president's supporters who look at this and say, well, I think it's all BS, but the media is going to play up the body count. So the president has to do this. He's held hostage now by the press. But thats i I, I would dismiss that and say the president has never – ever felt the need to be held hostage by the press before the the, pre, the press has promised body counts in the past and they never came about so what's different here and i my answer to you is what's different is is the situation that maybe they know something we don't know maybe it's it's worse than what we know I will tell you this, you know, that story from the other day that New York added, uh, deaths to the virus, That New York added, uh, more people. And, and I, I tried to explain to you why they did it. Uh, I actually called the CDC. I got it. I got the explanation, but one of the thing here, um, Before those extra bodies, there were 3,700 additional bodies added to the death toll in New York City. Before those 3,700 people were added to the death toll in New York City, this week alone, more people died in New York City, excluding those 3,700. More people died in New York City alone this week than died all of last year from the flu. In the fifth week of this virus in the United States, More people died in one week from this virus than died in the same fifth week of spread of the 2017 2018 flu, the flu and pneumonia combined, than the number of people who died in in cancer uh, of cancer in 2017 during a week, than the number of car crashes. Than the the number of drownings. I'm 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 just I, I'm the data is there to suggest this is different, and so much of the media doesn't want to give the president credit for listening to the experts, and yet he has, and there are a lot of his supporters who believe the experts are wrong and he's been misled, even though every country on earth is doing this. I'm just, I, I'm actually interested in, in why the president gets a pass. If he's, if he's being misled, I mean, ultimately the buck stops with him. Does it not? And I, I, I think I know the answer. And, and I think the answer is the majority of his supporters actually do. There are a lot, there's a loud, loud minority of his supporters who, who really do think it's no big deal, but they like the guy and they know the alternative is far worse with Joe Biden. But it's just it's, – it's, it's a curious dichotomy to me. Um, I want to go to the phones. Barry in Rome. Thank you for calling in, Barry. up. Uh, let's see. Can I fire – there we go, Barry. Sorry, my computer's running hey. slow on actually answering the phones.
1: Hey, good morning, Eric. Listen, Trump supporters have watched enough Alabama football <laughs> to figure out what he's doing. Uh, this all is right. his only smart move. You know how a Bear would always say there's no way I mean we'll, this is going to be an uphill battle. I don't see how we can possibly pull this off with the defense they have. This is his only smart decision. He can always come off. Yeah. And uh, if he, as a poker analogy, he's um he's got to he's got to keep the bet rolling.
0: Look, okay, I, Barry. I, I need to tell you that this is why I love the people of Rome. When I began this monologue, the, the last thing I was thinking of was an Alabama football analogy, and
1: and yet How you is have that possible Eric. You, you have surprised. I'm an, L, well, I'm an LSU. Yeah, I'm an LSU graduate. You know that. Yeah. But well, let's yeah. Face it. I, I'm in a house divided. I was born <laughs> in Alabama. <laughs> hey, at least it's not I mean, Auburn. I, Right, well, uh, don't go there, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the answer. It's not that complicated. It's right. the only smart decision. All right, listen, listen, you,
0: you, Barry. I got to tell you, you've actually made my day. I, 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 I didn't see a football, and I'm starting to miss college football. I'm missing the Braves and the Cubs too, and and I'm having withdrawal. So, Barry, <laughs> you you have made my uh, day, and I hope you have a great weekend.
1: I, I love y'all. See you later. All right, man. <laughs> Alabama football y'all
0: you people surprise and delight me um it is it it is that was that was probably the the best phone no offense to the rest of you but I I think that was that was the best call this week challenge accepted by some of you I'm sure (laughs) but you know so so I see what you're saying It, it was really the only play it was now, the question is, is it the only play because it was the right thing to do or is it the only play because it, it, it's what he had to do politically? And, and I actually think both. And see, here's here's what I'm willing to bet, you know, because you're already starting to see this on the left. What, what was the IHME count originally? It, it was 2.2 million people could die, revised down to 200,000, 100,000, 200,000. The range right now is 40,000 to 100,000. And we're definitely in that range right now. Uh, More people have now died in six weeks of COVID-19 than died in all of last year's flu season. I think that there is a path forward for the president's supporters to actually make the case that, you know what? A whole lot more people would have died had he not acted. And what's so funny here is that so many members of the media who have said the models, the models, the models, the models, the models are gonna suddenly take the position where a lot of the president supporters are right now. Say, oh, they were always wrong. Those models were always wrong. And it'll be the president supporters who have long said the models were wrong, who said, No, 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 the, the, the model said, the model said. And look how many lives president, we're going to see this flip. I I would say no later than than mid-June, we're gonna start seeing the flip where the president's supporters who have said the models were wrong will say, no, no, the models, they were right, and the president saved a lot of lives. And the media, particularly the MSNBC people, will come out and say, ah, yeah, clearly the models were wrong. So many people died. Clearly the models were wrong. Um, pay no attention to the fact that how many – I mean, the president could run his entire campaign on lives saved. And the media is going to – the my, you will see collective head explosions across the media – if that happens, and they will bluster and yell and spittle out their mouths, and yet they would set him up to be able to make that argument. Hello there, when we come back, the plan. Now, if you wanna see the plan, cause you can walk through it with me together, I made it easy for you. If you text the word data to 33777, I am going to send you back a link. And if you follow that link, you will see the PDF from the White House in all of its glory. The, the file opening up America again, you can see it just text the word data to 33777. And now I will send you right back a link and you can follow along with it because we're going to talk about it. You know, we also, man, I got so much stuff he even put off from yesterday that I wanted to get to that, that, that I haven't been able to get to. But let me do give you the numbers right now of where we stand in the state. Uh, and again, they update these numbers at noon, 16,368 cases, 3,260 hospitalizations, 617 deaths. I, I got to say, and this is why I'm looking forward to the next hours because we can actually move on to the good news of the country reopening. Uh, but I, I know a lady. She hated my guts in 2016. Oh, man, did she hate my guts because uh, I didn't support the president in 2016. Um, I, I just – I wouldn't go vote for Hillary. I wouldn't go vote for him. And she likes me now, and, and she knows I'm voting for the president, but but she liked me even before that. Um, She, she, she got back to liking me. She forgave me. She's a nurse, uh, been a nurse for over 20 years. And she was telling me yesterday she deleted her Facebook account. She deleted her Facebook account because – she was tired of coming home from her shift, trying to catch up with the news of the day and seeing all of her friends saying it was no big deal. And meanwhile, she's at a hospital, and she says she, she's she been a nurse for over 20 years. She's never seen anything like it. And one of the disconnects I've run into, in fact, I've run into it on this show yesterday with a caller uh, who, who thought that the media has made such a panic of it. Well, the reason the hospitals are overwhelmed is because a bunch of people are going to the hospital saying, oh, my God, I think I have this. You need to put me in the hospital right now. And there seems to be this perception that, oh my goodness, this is terrible. I must have this. My chest hurts. I'm having a heart attack or the virus. Put me in the hospital now. And that's why the hospitals are overwhelmed. But from the nurses and doctors I'm hearing from, what they're telling me is they're sending those people home. They don't have room for those people. That they have so many people who are in the hospital right now. Who have to be there? Who are in serious condition? Uh, who do have? In, in oftentimes, it is it is over seriously overweight people, not slightly overweight people, but seriously overweight people who are having serious trouble, and that they've got to be in the hospital or they are going to die. And that's what's striking to me is that there really is this disconnect between the people who who have in their head what's going on. And the people who were seen at firsthand in hospitals, uh, in fact, I'll, I mentioned to you before, I got a friend of mine who is a doctor who was telling me this was no big deal, we shouldn't worry about it, um, that I was overplaying it, I needed to calm down, I trust him, he's a doctor, and a doctor in New York City, no less. And he was telling me that we were all overplaying it. And this was back in February and into early March, that we were all overplaying it, it was no big deal, this was going to go away. And he is now on the front lines, and has let me know this is something he has never seen, and he can't go home to his family. He is, is has essentially moved into the hospital. Um. And, and I and I'm seeing that shift from people who see it firsthand, and and that's that's part of part of what's going on here. I think is is uh. The, the expert fatigue, we we got so many people who pretend to be experts. Or, I mean, for God's sakes, why are they putting hand, uh, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil on, on Fox as if they're experts? Why, 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 why? But people are so tired of the experts. And they don't believe them. And so many people are positive these days as experts who aren't. That there are a lot of people out there who, unless they can believe it with their own eyes, if they unless they can experience it with themselves, they're not going to believe it. And I really don't blame them. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I really don't blame them. But I keep hearing from friends of mine who are doctors who they themselves were blasting me in February and early March for saying this was going to be a big deal, who are now following up and saying oh, they they barely leave the hospitals now. They're overwhelmed with patients who need to be there. Um, this really is different from what a lot of people think. Sorry, I'm here. Dude Perfect just put up a video. I was watching it. (laughs) Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show all over the place now. Uh, The phone number, if you would like to be a part of this year's program, is 877 97 Eric. 877-973-7425. And... I want to talk about reopening the country. The president has released a plan. Now, this is important. This is, this is actually important. I want you to be able to see the plan. If you want to see the plan, I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you guys to get the information. If you text the word data to 33777, I, I, I will do it myself right now in real time. So the number is 33777. Put it in my cell phone type the word data and this is how quick it is. I just got the link back. I click the link and it goes to my Substack page and it says you can check it out here. Uh, And I have to do it that way because it goes to a site called Scribd where you can host PDFs and you can't direct link people in through text message there with, with the system that I'm using. So I had to go to script. and now you click on the link to script and look, behold, it is the PDF of Opening Up America Again, the White House Plan to Reopen the Country. You, too, can see it by texting DATA to the number 33777. Let's get into it, shall we? Before I get there, though, let me make a point. Uh, You know, uh, Tim Bryant, who is on our flagship station, WGAU, in Athens, made a good point on social media last night. Globally. Globally, I I live in Bibb County, Georgia. We are a a county of 150,000 people, and we live in a nation of 330 million people, and we live on a planet of 7 billion people, and only 135,000 people globally have died of COVID-19. How bad can it be? It's a relevant point. It is. Um, More people, basically, uh, if you take the global total, the global total of deaths, and you would have killed off all of Macon, Georgia, and then some, but not all of Bibb County, where I am. 135,000 deaths globally. Uh, nationally, um, nationally now, of course, you know, China today is updating its total admitting 50% more people died in Wuhan than they said, although they're still saying it was only a few thousand people. Um, and we know it was probably more than a million people. Now, how do we know it's more than a million people died in China, even though they're, they're saying it was only 85,000. Uh, the reason we know is satellite data where you had a lot of activity. And now there is none. We can we can pretty much speculate there. Now, here's what's interesting. As of right now, this morning, thirty four thousand seven hundred eighty four people have died in the United States. Uh, okay, uh, worldwide now it's updated one hundred forty six thousand two hundred ninety So basically, Bibb County, Georgia, has been taken out globally. Uh, but that's it. Um, but. Uh, So we're at 676,676 cases in the United States, 34,784 people have died total. That is more than died last year during an entire year of a flu season, which is really only six months. Uh, But this is six weeks. So in six weeks, the same number have died with shelter in place as have died uh, all of last year from the flu. If you want to understand really why, shelter-in-place is happening, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the deaths. It has to do with the hospitalizations. Uh, it, their concern has always been, and again, it's based on the modeling, and you can say the models are wrong, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. The reason that that they wanted you to shelter in place is because of hospital capacity. Uh, we've never had a situation in Georgia where the, the hospital up in Rome has had to convert a parking deck into an ICU facility. We've never had a situation in Georgia where the World Congress Center had to be converted into a field hospital. Uh, You know, down in in Albany, they're not worried about hospital capacity. They have now converted a lot of outpatient facilities are now uh, hospital space. They've converted a couple of office buildings down in Albany into hospital space. So they got enough hospital space. They got a field hospital in Albany. They don't have enough doctors and nurses. The situation in Albany is the third worst per capita on planet Earth right now. Bad stuff. Um, th- th- that's that's why we're sheltered in place. Here, le- let me give you this data. And I wish this, you know, radio is a way more intimate medium than than television. You you actually have to listen. And Rush was talking about this, I guess, day before yesterday on radio. Radio actually is way more intimate than television because with television, a lot of people, you have it on in the background. And you just kind of listen to it. Occasionally, you'll pay attention with radio, you're actually much more engaged in it. It, it's, It's you having a conversation with me and I can't hear you unless you call in. You can hear me and you can talk back to me. You can disagree with me. Some of you are cussing me out, but it's way more intimate, it's way more personal because I've got to keep you engaged if I can, sometimes more successfully than others, With my voice, no stunts, no visuals, no facial expressions, no video, just my voice. Got to be able to be a storyteller with you to keep you engaged. And a lot of people as a result, because it's so much more intimate, it becomes so much more emotional. So people get way angrier with you as a radio show. I, I know radio show hosts who didn't support the president in 2016, and I didn't. Just full disclosure, I didn't support the president in 2016. I'm voting for him in 2020. He, we have made our peace with each other. We, we we have talked on the phone. But I know radio show hosts in 2016 who lost their jobs because their whole audience ran away from them. They, they, they didn't want that. They, they supported the president. The host didn't. And the host had never bothered to build a meaningful relationship with their audience, and that's actually, you know, Rush and I are friends, and it was one of the best pieces of advice he ever, best piece of advice he ever gave me was build a build a relationship. One of the things that I miss is, you know, occasionally I invite listeners to go out and grab a beer, and I'll show up at a place and I'll just say, "Hey, I'm here," and people show up. And we'll hang out and i think i'm probably the only I, I i actually had a buddy of mine not rush tell me that i was the only radio show host in america crazy enough to actually do that but i mean come on i i i, I look forward to going back up to athens and, and grabbing a beer with you guys or, or in atlanta or wherever you are uh and just hanging out those of you who don't drink come grab a burger come come grab a bite nonetheless uh that that's just it's it's so i i get the level of angst and anger and, and antagonism And I get the level of concern, and I understand when you look at the data, you're thinking we've destroyed the greatest economy the world has ever known for 34,784 deaths, seriously. I get that. And I wish I could show you this graphic. it's It's not a visual medium, though. And so I can't actually show you the graphic as much as I want to show you the graphic unless you are on the live stream with me. The new Atlantis is a think tank and it put out this graphic that shows just how bad the virus is and just how bad it has spread. And it's something that we haven't seen before in this country that, that at least and my position has kind of been, even if you're not willing to accept that something is, is different here, even if you're not willing to accept that we got problems, even if you're not willing to accept that it's as bad as they say it is, be willing to accept. It's not something we've ever seen before. And maybe just maybe exercise some level of grace towards the politicians who aren't doctors, who aren't epidemiologists, who aren't experts. They just happen to be the popular person. And they're trying to come up with some way to contain something that no one is there, no one alive at least has seen before. This graph that I have, it's from the New Atlantis. And it shows you weekly trend lines and deaths per million on a weekly basis how many people die each week as something spreads so it's it's spread out over 33 weeks the the flu season typically 33 week period and when the flu season starts going you know there's a defined flu season it begins in October. It ends towards March. It's it's a total of 33 weeks that they track in a flu season, which is why this graph is 33 weeks. And the flu season typically gets going excitedly between the 13th and the 15th week. So, for example, in the in the 15th week of the flu season, we saw five deaths. For every million Americans in the 15th season of the flu. Now, when you combine the flu and pneumonia in the 2017 2018 flu season, we saw 23 deaths per million people in the 15th week of the 2017 2018 flu and pneumonia season combined. Now, the worst, the worst. Up until 2017, 2018, the worst flu season we had seen was the Asian flu of 57, 58. It came from China. Surprise, surprise. And when you combine it with pneumonia, the worst of the the weekly death total came in the twelfth week, and it was 17 people died per million Americans in 1957. And then it rebounded back up to 17 in the 28th week of that flu season before declining. Now, for perspective, each week, regardless of, of, of the week, each week in this country, 35 people will die per million Americans, 35 people will die of cancer, and 37 people will die of heart disease. Every week per million Americans, 37 people will die of heart disease. So this chart from the new Atlantis, decided to show how many people die per week for COVID-19. We are into now the seventh week of COVID-19 in this country. We, the seventh week of people dying of this virus. So how many people die? Heart disease every week in America, 37 people die of heart disease per million people. 35 people die per million people of cancer every week in this country in the seventh week of the 2017-2018 flu season, 10 people died of pneumonia. How many people per million died of COVID-19 in the seventh week? 36. 36 people per million. So to put this in perspective, it is uh, three people per million die of of, uh, car crashes. Ten people die of the flu and pneumonia. Thirty-five people die of cancer. Thirty-seven people die of heart disease. Thirty-six people die of COVID nineteen. The trend line actually skyrockets. It, it looks like COVID. I mean, to put it in visuals, everyone will understand. It, it looks like COVID nineteen pop for Viagra. Um, it, it it is it just it goes from nothing to. Psh, Rocket took off. Um, it is, yeah. I did just use that. Hey, I told you this is an intimate medium where you have to use theater of the mind to explain things to people. It just goes almost straight up. This, this in the seventh week, and it has shown really no signs of abating yet nationwide. Now, in regions of the country, it has, but that's why I, I'm just I, I I that that is a very way more long-winded explanation than I wanted to on this. Just so you understand. Why globally every leader on planet Earth has responded the way they have? This is not something anybody has seen in our lifetime. We know that China lied. We know that people died because China lied. And we know from our satellite intelligence data from China that there are villages and small towns in China that have ceased to exist, that no one lives there anymore. And how do we know that? Because there are no heat signatures in these areas anymore. That hasn't gotten widely circulated in, in the media. I have confirmed that is so, though, which suggests that the spread in China was way worse than what the really way worse than what the Chinese are saying. That's why everybody's sheltering in place. That's why a majority of Americans understand why we're sheltering in place. A, a vocal minority think it's ridiculous, and I understand that, and I understand why, and I'm sympathetic to it. But I'm at least – the, the one thing that that conservatives have always been able to do really is understand liberals' arguments better than liberals understand conservative arguments. And, and I at least want those of you who are in the minority here who think this is all overblown to at least understand why. You can say it's an overreaction. You can say it's all BS. You can say everybody's wrong. But just understand why they did it. Just understand why they did it. You can say it's fear-driven, whatever, but understand why they did it. We haven't seen in our lifetimes anything like this seven weeks in. Thirty-six people per million Americans falling over dead with this virus. Well, I shouldn't say falling over dead. It takes them about a week to die. And it's apparently a horrible death. Um, I, I I just I, I just want you to understand, at least understand and be willing to engage with what the problem is and why they're doing it like they are. But now what is the plan to get the country back going? Because now the president's come out with a plan. And you'll be you will not be surprised to learn that many of the same progressive activists who said the president had no power to shut down the government uh, are now say, wait a second, he he he's gotta do this himself. He can't make the governors do it. I'll explain. But he might just sent me a screenshot, Ron DeSantis down in Florida having a having a press conference right now. He's got his mask on wrong. He wasn't wearing one at first. Someone motioned to him to do it. Okay. All right, reopening America. By the way, I'm happy to take your phone call. See, and you know. I'm not one of those radio show hosts who only allows people to call in who agree with me. I actually like the people who who want to have a conversation who don't necessarily agree. And and feel free to. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. Now, I, I, I want to talk about reopening the country. And let me begin with what has to happen first. And this is where you you know this this the reaction here shows that there's no way for the president to win it. And I'm going to go off on another tangent, but trust me, there's a method to my madness. The games that the media is playing, there is a fundamental distrust. I actually during during the break, I got a got a text from a buddy of mine. He won't mind me reading it. I won't say who it's from. Um, but he says I I. I worry how much folks are passing their stats around to make it seem worse. If you had COVID and then you died of a heart attack, I think they'd call that a COVID death. I just don't trust the people in charge and I don't know how to fix it. And, and there, that's that's part of the problem we're dealing with. And there are people on the right right now, um, on maybe, maybe on the far right, who are amplifying that distrust. I mean, for example, on the on the COVID nineteen, what are you dying of? Are you dying of COVID nineteen? Dr. Burks didn't help herself, and she clarified what she was talking about. But the people who were saying, "Oh, she said that," they're counting everybody as COVID nineteen death. They didn't actually play her clarification. And what she actually said is, "Is we have a a a medical process in place that we've had for decades to make the classification for how someone dies." On the heart attack issue, do you know that the number one cause of death for someone with COVID nineteen is a heart attack? I mean and the reason they classified as COVID-19 is would you have had the heart attack but for the COVID-19. Uh, the number one cause and, and uh, again the the media is, is talking so much about COVID-19 deaths the number one cause of a of a COVID-19 death is a heart attack. And the reason for that is because it deprives your oxygen of blood because it fills up the air sacs in your lungs with fluid like pneumonia. Uh, your oxygen, your blood does not get oxygenated. It causes a heart attack and you die. That's the number one cause. In fact, in fact, um, something like a quarter of the people who are released from the hospital who have had COVID nineteen die of heart attacks after they've been released from the hospital. Think, think, think about that. A lot of people who go to the hospital and they're counted as as the deaths, and they have a heart. They've left the hospital. And then they have heart attack because their heart has strained for the entire time they're in the hospital, uh, and supplemental oxygen tanks and stuff are running low in some hospitals. It's a problem. But at, there is a huge distrust of experts, and a huge distrust of the media, and a huge distrust that that people are are playing politics of this, and they are, they absolutely are, and, and I don't blame anyone for distrusting them because there's, I mean, they've set up a no win situation for the president here. Now, the plan, page by page, let's actually get into it. No more distractions when we come back on how he's going to open the country again. He's got a plan. All right. Now that I, I've, I've made the case for at least understand why they shut it all down, what what the data says, let's get into what the president wants to do. Uh, I'll take your phone calls here as well. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. So there are going to be conditions that must be satisfied before we can begin to open it will be on the governors to decide whether it will be regional or whether it will be um whether it'll be regional or whether it'll be statewide interestingly enough in georgia rural areas are becoming more harder hit than per capita than urban areas and and so we may actually see rural, some rural areas of the state open later than urban areas. But uh, what, what you have to do, there are three divisions, symptoms, cases, and hospitals. Uh, with symptoms, you got to have a downward trajectory of influenza-like illnesses within a 14-day period, and a downward trajectory of COVID-like syndromic cases reported within a 14-day period. What does all that mean? Well, uh, a lot of people, uh, you, you can't tell, do they have the flu or do they have COVID-19? So you got to have a, of overall influenza-like cases, you got to have a downward trend for 14 days. Likewise, of those who are confirmed to have COVID-19 or who uh, they're pretty sure they don't have a test, but they got all the symptoms of COVID-19, not just an influenza-like illness, uh, you got to have a 14-day downward trajectory there as well. Then after you dealt with the symptoms with cases, you got to have a downward trajectory of documented cases during a 14-day period or a downward trajectory of positive cases as a percentage of total tests within a 14-day period. If you've uh, flatter increasing, so you've. Either, but the caveat here is you've got to have either the same number of tests being done weekly, or an increasing volume of tests showing a downward trajectory. And then with hospitals, hospitals have to be able to show that they can treat all patients without crisis care. In other words, up in Floyd County, you you would be able to treat all the patients in the hospital without having to use the parking deck as a spillover facility. And also that there is robust testing in place for healthcare workers, including emerging antibody testing. If you've got all of those things, you've got 14 days of downward trajectory and the hospitals can show they can treat existing patients without spillover facilities, then there is uh, a couple of things that have to be put in place. Core preparedness responsibilities that must be in place before you can open back up. One. The ability to quickly set up efficient screening, two, the ability to test um, syndromic people and trace contact for COVID positive results, and three, ensure surveillance sites for screening asymptomatic cases uh, and contacts for COVID-19 results, particularly in poor communities and minority communities. You got to remember, there are a lot of people who have COVID-19 who have no symptoms. And they want to be able to to find those people and test those people and then do contact tracing of those people as well. That's one of the biggest concerns that they have now is, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but in, in Iceland now, Iceland has tested pretty much every single person in the country. Now, Iceland has a population of less than Wyoming, but they've managed to basically test everybody in the country. It turns out that Iceland did far worse than everybody else uh, in, in terms of mitigating the spread. But what they found that is so notable is that about 15% of people who tested positive had no symptoms at all. That confirms the Singapore data from two weeks ago that caused Brian Kemp to shut the state down. That uh, basically 15% of people, you you know, let let me be clear here and explain this. We have always known since the beginning of this virus in China that there were people with no symptoms. Who could get other people infected? The presumption had always been, though, that the people with no symptoms would ultimately get symptoms themselves. We now know from Iceland and Singapore that's not true. And that's a recent development. It is a development the Chinese probably knew but didn't share. That there are people who will never, ever, 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 ever get symptoms but who are contagious. And they can spread the disease. We believe that might be some of the problem down in Albany. No, so you got to have the testing. And then with healthcare systems, you got to be able to quickly and independently supply personal protective equipment and critical medical equipment to handle a surge. And you got to be able to surge ICU capacity. And then you got to have plans in place to protect health and safety workers or critical industries, protect health and safety workers of those living in high risk facilities, protect employees and users of mass transit. Don't use mass transit, people advise citizens regarding protocols for social distancing and face coverings and monitor conditions and immediately take steps to limit and mitigate any rebounds. So in other words, once you've seen a 14-day trend line on the decline and hospitals are not at capacity and you've got enough testing in place and protocols in place, if there is a surge, if you open back up and there's a big surge, if if you're able to handle that Then we move to phase one of opening back up the country. What is phase one? Well, first of all, you got to continue to wash your hands. I realize there are some of you who thought you could stop washing your hands once we got out of this. You didn't wash your hands for weeks on end and suddenly the virus hits and you're washing 20 times a day and wonder, my gosh, what has happened to my hands? And you were hoping to never have to bathe again. Well, you're still going to have to bathe and avoid touching your face and sneeze and cough into tissues or your elbow. I, I got to tell you, th- this sneezing into your elbow is crap. Um, it, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm not flexible enough to get my mouth into the corner of my elbow to be able to stop. Why can't I use my hand or a tissue and then use sanitizer? That's what I've always... Now, lately I'm doing it in my elbow thinking I'm going to, if I ever got sick, I'd infect more people. Nonetheless, I digress. You got to be able to disinfect frequently used items and surfaces and use face coverings in public if you can. And if you're on mass transit, they want you to wear a mask. And if you feel sick, don't go to work, don't go to school and call your doctor. Those are your basic parameters. Now, also, before any phase can be implemented, employers, your bosses, have to do this. Ensure social distancing and protective equipment. Have the ability to do temperature checks of employees. Test, isolate, and do contact tracing. Have sanitation. Use and disinfect common and high traffic areas and business travel. I, I got a sneaky suspicion. Yeah, I realize I promised no more tangents, but this one's relevant. You know how schools tend to have a nurse. A lot of schools have a nurse. I suspect we're about to see a boom in office nurses. And you'll have the you'll have the head of security in an office building and the head of security will be in charge of the security of the building, but you'll have a, a head nurse in your office who will be in charge of uh, overseeing the the janitorial services for sanitation purposes and and making sure there's a uh, temperature monitor and things like that. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, employers are also going to have to monitor workforces for indicative symptoms and develop and implement policies and procedures for contact tracing among employees. Somebody at the office gets sick. Uh, I would also like to acknowledge that my managing editor for the Resurgent has just been fired for the snotty text message she just sent me while I'm talking. He should know better than to text me while I'm talking. He's fired. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is phase one? He says that he says I should name the title of the show podcast today. I'm not coordinated enough to sneeze into my elbow. He's fired. All vulnerable individuals in phase one should continue to shelter in place. Members of households with vulnerable residents should be aware that by returning to work or other environments where distancing is not practicable, they could carry the virus back home. Precautions should be taken to isolate vulnerable individuals. All individuals when in public should maximize physical distance from others. social settings of more than 10 people where appropriate distancing is not practical should be prohibited. Avoid socializing in groups of more than 10 people in circumstances that do not readily allow for appropriate distance and minimize non-essential travel. So no receptions and no trade shows in in phase one, no essential travel uh, or non-essential travel should still be prohibited in phase one and vulnerable people should stay home and schools and shopping areas and stuff should stay closed. And. In phase one, employers should continue to encourage telework. They should keep common areas closed, and minimize non essential business travel, and have special accommodations for personnel who are members of vulnerable populations. Schools and youth activities should stay closed. Senior living facilities and hospitals should still prohibit visitation. Large venues should be closed. Elective surgeries should resume as clinically appropriate at outpatient facilities and not in hospitals. Gyms can open. Bars should stay closed. And then you get to phase two, where there is no evidence of a rebound. After phase one, so you slowly open in phase one. There's no evidence of a rebound. Numbers are not going back up. Numbers are still declining. Go to phase two. In phase two, vulnerable individuals still stay home. When people are in public, they should still maximize physical distance from each other. You can have groups now, but no more than 50 people. Non essential travel can resume. I can go to Vegas. Employers should continue to encourage teleworking. Common areas should still stay closed so people can't congregate at offices. Non essential travel can resume but special accommodations should still be made for vulnerable populations. Schools and youth activities can reopen. Senior care facilities and hospital visits should still be prohibited. Large venues should be able to open, that is, sit-down restaurants, movie theaters, sporting venues, churches, but physical distancing and sanitation should still matter. Elective surgeries can resume as clinically appropriate on an outpatient and inpatient basis, even in hospitals. Gyms can be open. Bars can open as long as they reduce capacity. And then in phase three, vulnerable individuals can get back out of the public and low risk populations should minimize crowds, but can get out there. Employers can go back to their normal routine. No more closing off the break room. No more prohibiting people from congregating. Senior facilities can open, hospitals can open, large venues can open, gyms can open, bars can open, restaurants can have more people. Those are your three phases. Essentially, phase one is we do a very slow rollout. Go back to your gym. Man, y'all, I'm paying my gym membership. I hadn't been since March sometime. My trainer sending me exercises at home. I'm not doing them. I hate to work out at home. I'm ready to go back to the gym. I love the gym. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's just I realize now that it, I wasn't actually doing it for my physical health. I was doing it for my mental health. I'm ready to go back. But in phase one, your your restaurants are still to go. Your bars are still closed. Only necessary people are back in the office. Unnecessary travel still restricted. Nobody goes to hospitals and and retirement homes unless they need to be there. We go very slowly. And I would probably say your tattoo artists, your barbers, your salons, everybody wears a mask, but you can go get your haircut now. You can get your tattoo now. You can get your post-quarantine tattoo. Phase two, we open the door a little more. Restaurants, you can now go sit down at the restaurant. You can now go to a bar with a buddy, but you got to keep your distance from everybody else. They got to limit the capacity of people in the restaurant. More people can go back to work and life can resume further, business travel goes back to normal. And then if we continue to see the decline, then everything goes back to normal. Life goes back to normal. I do have a buddy, and and I think this is worthwhile. A friend of mine sent me an email this morning and he pointed out that one of the things we need to be mindful of is nursing homes. Nursing homes in Georgia and elsewhere are seeing the brunt of this. In fact, hang on. Let me pull up because because this is a super smart guy who I thoroughly respect, uh, and I'm actually kind of misinteracting with him on a daily basis. He's he's one of the people who just he got burned out in politics and, and decided it, it, he had had enough, and I don't get to interact with him very much anymore. And let me find his email. Here it is. Uh, Where is this? Yes, Uh, according to the Georgia Department of Public Health numbers from Tuesday in our state, COVID-19 has killed more people over 90, 45 people, than everyone under the age of 50, 35 people. A disease so ruthlessly targeting the elderly implies the critical importance of keeping it out of long care facilities And it did from the beginning, but we got sidetracked on the other issues. Um, He's right. If you weren't here in the first hour, I was reading some of the headlines from around the world. Uh, Nursing homes are where the brunt of this is. And we should probably escalate testing in nursing homes and long-term care facilities and hospitals with elderly populations more than anything else. I think that's fair. And it looks like the White House plan focuses on that, but the White House wants global general testing. And and he points out, this friend of mine points out that we probably could have stopped the spread of this had we focused on nursing homes first. But part of the problem is that we didn't know. that There was no data. We reacted the way we reacted in light of a lack of data And now we know, and I think he's right, we probably should target that. In fact, he said it's Stephen King stuff when you look at the headlines. Um, The military in Spain went into nursing homes and found bodies. In New Jersey, there was an anonymous tip and inspectors went in and they found bodies, just piled up bodies of dead old people who had gotten the virus. Horrific, horrific, horror stuff. And it's happening here and abroad and it's mostly nursing homes. That's a problem. To the phones, we go up to coming Georgia, Tracy, you are going to be next on the program. Welcome.
2: understand hi there. the importance of testing, hi, um, of a person to see if they currently have the virus, but if I test negative, then I need to go back for a second or third or fourth or fifth test, etc. cetera. I am really interested in the antibody testing. Cause mm-hmm. that's going to tell me if I have had it. And then if I have had it, then I can go further out to society, still doing the social distancing protocol, but have more confidence in allowing uh, people who have had the virus back out into the economy, back out into the world. And so what's stopping us from going all out gangbusters with this antibody test that seems to be happening in pockets? And if uh, it's out there, why don't we take vans to neighborhoods and just...
0: Right. Hit, yeah, hit, I agree hit. with you. Um, so they're having a the production lines are coming. They had to make sure they had a high enough accuracy rate. Uh, so they were doing trial runs in, in parts of the country that were majorly infected to make sure. So, for example, um, they've been testing people who they already knew did have it to make sure that there's an accuracy rate for the antibody test. Uh, and now that they know they're ramping up production and Dr. Fauci, I believe it was Fauci or Berk's one this week said that by next week, it should be in enough capacity that they can start spreading it around the country. But that was the problem. And, and the main reason is, is it goes back to China. The Chinese produced a, an antibody test in addition to a standard test. And it turns out that it was 80% inaccurate instead of 80% accurate. And so we've had to essentially reinvent the wheel to make sure we got an accurate test. So, well,
2: I hope we've learned our lesson in relying upon any particular country for medical supplies or
0: tests. You know, I hope so. In fact, I was talking to someone this morning before the show started who has very severe ADHD. And, and, and I don't want to get into whether people think it's overblown or not. He, he genuinely has a serious problem and requires medication. And it's bad. I, I've, I've seen him when he doesn't have his medicine. And he can't get his medicine. Uh, because so much of his medicine is produced in China, uh, the the core components and those core components are being diverted into other other things. In addition to a hesitancy to import stuff from China, and and he's he is down to to like a week's worth of his medicine, and is starting to get a little lancy about getting it. And we've got to, as a national security issue in this country, get away from relying so much on China and stuff. There are some things I think he can rely on China for. We shouldn't, but uh, if we need to, we can, but medicine should not be one of them. William and Macon, you're gonna be next, welcome.
3: Hey, Eric, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, I I didn't hear the exact question from that last call, so I hope I'm not repeating, but my question is, uh, as far as this tracing goes and testing goes, um, I don't understand how they're gonna do all this tracing. Uh, When it comes to my situation, I live alone, I work at home. I've always worked at home. I have never had to go to an office. But what I don't understand is how are they going to trace me if I don't go get a test? It seems like to me that everybody's going to have to get a test.
0: Well, yeah. So Doesn't the that way make sense? It, yes, it does. And so the way the tracing typically works is: let's say you test positive, you, you go to the hospital or your doctor because you're not feeling well. You test positive. What they're going to do to you is ask you where you've been in the last four days, who you've come into contact with. And a lot of people, you're not going to know you. Okay. I was at the grocery store. Okay. That's fine. Uh, you can't tell us who all you interact with? Maybe you'll recognize the cashier and that's it. Uh, but is there anybody else? And and they'd leave it at that. What I suspect may happen is they may rely on some technology like what Apple and Google have recommended. Uh, In fact, uh, the European Union countries are starting to say, you know, this isn't a bad idea. Um, Maybe we should get people to put this app on their phone. Uh, And and that would make it abundantly easy. Yeah, and it would keep your privacy. That's the thing I've been worried about is privacy. You don't want to blackball somebody.
3: Well, my question is, you know, I I could have COVID-19 right now. I have no symptoms. I have not had any symptoms. I could go out not knowing I don't have any symptoms, uh, infect someone, but I haven't had a test.
0: Yeah. Well, so and, how, and, you how know,
3: would I, I, how would I know that? And how would they trace all that? That's-,
0: that's the problem. Um, and, and, and let me answer right. that because I've got about 15 seconds here, William. Thank you for the phone call. Let me answer that when I come because it's a good question. What about the asymptomatic people? How do we even figure them out? There actually is an answer to this. And I actually know it. Uh, when we come back, I'll explain it. Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson. This hour of the program is sponsored by Miss Griven's barbecue sauce. Yes, because it's delicious. And I want to tell you about it out of the gate because it actually is delicious. And now that I've gotten into wings. Um I, I'm I'm eating because you know wings are really cheap right now. You can find them at the grocery store and you can throw them on your grill, you can get the skin crispy, and then you can slather on some Miss Griffin's barbecue sauce, and it's delicious. Uh go to if you go to Miss Griffin, Mrs. Griffins.com, uh Mrs. Griffin's MrSgriffin.com, uh you can buy two, get one free. It's delicious barbecue sauce, and it's a George company. You want to help a George company? Help a George company by getting their barbecue sauce. Uh, it is a good South Georgia barbecue sauce, uh, and made right here where I live in Macon, Georgia. So, uh, go get it at your grocery store. Now, we must move back to the question from William on asymptomatic people. He says he works from home; he doesn't come into contact with people. He he could be asymptomatic. Well, first of all, if you don't come into contact with people, the odds are you haven't gotten it. But let's say let's say you did, and you're asymptomatic, and you work from home. How do they figure it out? And how do they how do they trace? I actually know the answer to this. Um, now, I, <laughs> okay, a full disclosure of why I know that. No, I did not talk to any experts on this one. <laughs> I saw a video on the internet. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But it was actually, I, I forget which group put it out, but it was an academic group on on asymptomatic people and, and tracing and how it works. And It was actually very informative. Uh, I was looking at so I I, I want to I think I want a Rectech grill, uh, and what? Yes, just bear with me. I realize I'm the king of tangents at this point. So I think I want a Rectech gr- grill, and a Rectech grill is like a pellet smoker. It's like a Traeger, but better. It's actually made here in Augusta, Georgia. Um, it's really good. It's stainless steel. It's not like the the rec- Rectech has started making a lot of their grills in China. The the quality's just gone to crap. Uh, and I just, I, I like the design of the rec tech. I, I like the, the idea of the people and what they do. And I think I won't, cause I got a big green egg. I got a large big green egg and I love my big green egg, but I've kind of mastered the big green egg. I, I can, I do my brisket in it and it's too small for me now. And I could get a large big green egg and I could hold a big brisket in it. You and, know, and, well, I mean, I could get an extra large. I don't want the, the, the dinosaur sized big green egg because it's just too unwieldy. But I could get that or I could get a Rectech grill and I could actually do a couple of Boston butts or several briskets at the same time in the Rectech 700. Or I could get the BFG, which stands for a big <clears throat> grill and and do a whole lot and feed an army in, in the neighborhood. But nonetheless, so I've been looking at them. And I, so where? how does this get you to asymptomatic testing, Erickson? Well, I'll tell you. I was on YouTube looking at Rectech grills. And I saw a video, and it was YouTube was promoting it, and it was from some, one of the healthcare academic groups out there on on testing and how testing stuff works. And I was like, all right, I I didn't know they were doing this, so I I watched it. And so here's what happens with asymptomatic people. They can't trace. They can't. Except, except, except for this. You're asymptomatic, you you don't know you have it, so you're not gonna go to the doctor. You're not gonna go to the doctor because you don't have the symptoms, so there's no reason for you to be tested, uh, and yet you have it and you just don't know it. So what is going to happen is you're going to get someone infected. You, the asymptomatic person, will get someone infected and that person will get symptoms and that person will go to the doctor they will test him he will test positive for covid-19 and the doctor will tell the the symptomatic person who all of you come into contact with lately and he will he will give give william's name and say he's come into contact with william hypothetically you no, william We william works from home we, we don't think william does but he he called and asked the question so he gets to be the name in the wee hypo Maybe that's a bad precedent because I don't want people to not call because they'll be in any event. So uh, Bob, Bob, that's Bob is the name of my sourdough starter. So so Bob comes up on the list. Uh, Joe has gone to the doctor. Joe tests positive for COVID nineteen. They say who all have you come into contact with? And he lists Sarah. He he lists he lists Bob. He lists um, Erickson. He, he lists Philip. Um. And and he lists all these other people. So all those people need to be tested. At that point, Bob is going to be tested. And they may never know that William got it from Bob if Bob tests positive. But they'll know that Bob is positive now. And they'll ask Bob, who all of you come into contact with? Well, ultimately what happens is a pattern develops. Let's say someone else comes in and they're, they're sick. And they test positive who all have you come into contact with. Well, Bob comes up again with them and then someone else goes somewhere and, and they get tested and, and it goes, goes into the health database. It's secure database, HIPAA, all that sort of stuff. But Bob's name comes up again. They're thinking, holy crap, Bob's come into contact with all of these people and all these people are sick and Bob is sick too. Maybe they got it from Bob. So then they go to Bob again and they say, all right, Bob. Bob, Bob, who all you've been around and Bob does his best to give them the names of people who's around and Holy crap. All of these people are, are sick. Looks like Bob's a super spreader because Bob's had no symptoms and they're able to figure it out that way. they they're, they're able to go around and say, okay, Uh, Joe has it. He's positive. Who have you come into contact with? Well, Bob is one of the people. Uh, Sarah comes in. Sarah's positive. Sarah, who are all the people you've come into contact with? Sarah's come into contact with all these people and Bob. Uh, Jefferson. Jefferson comes in. Jefferson's got all these people. Jefferson comes in. Bob. And suddenly Bob's on everybody's list, and is suddenly people think, hmm, and Bob now has no symptoms. Bob, Bob is actually further along, it looks like, based on the amount of virus in his body, how quickly they give him the test, and it just lights up quick. Clearly, he's highly infected, but he's got no symptoms. He may be a super spreader. I was actually really fascinated by this. And it makes sense when you think about it, um, that if you're, a, if you are a, if you're asymptomatic and you're never going to get the symptoms, you will be a super spreader. You'll spread it to a lot of people because you're not, you don't know you're sick. Nobody else knows you're sick. You don't have fever. You don't have the symptoms. And and those are the conditions by which you're typically tested. And so boom, um, you, you go off and, um, and all these other people start getting positive tests and they all start doing names and oh my goodness gracious, uh, l- look at this, um, everybody out there is showing up with Bob. Well, we better go check on Bob. And it turns out that, um, it turns out that Bob was the super spreader. Now, what about this, this app that Apple and Google want to to find all these people? This is an interesting one. Uh, what happens is, Apple and Google on Android and Apple devices. I have an iPhone because I am a a person who cares about the quality of my electronics. So I have Apple devices. And Apple wants to put an app on your iPhone. And in putting the app on your iPhone, Google would do the same on their Android devices. No offense to any of you who have Android devices, I realize that, that Apple devices tend to be very pricey and you can get a good deal on an Android device. They're not as good. But nonetheless, Apple and Google will develop matching software. And they will put these apps on all of your phones. And they will use Bluetooth. And there will be a randomly generated code that the software develops. And it will have access to Bluetooth. Now, access to Bluetooth is important. Because Bluetooth can tell you where a device is. You see, so devices give off signal strength. You know okay, uh, you can do this, you can do this with your with your laptop. you know the little bars on your phone. Uh, the, the, the balls on the, the bars on your phone and it shows you your signal strength. You can do it with Wi-Fi, you can do it with your cell phone service. I've got right now in my studio, I've got three bars on my cell phone. Uh, three out of four bars, and I've got uh, all four bars on Wi-Fi. Bluetooth, you don't see it, but Bluetooth has the same thing. But Bluetooth's range is about 50 feet. If you put on Bluetooth headphones and you walk away from your phone, you can tell where the signal starts cutting off. But your phone can tell that too. So your phone can tell who you've been within 10 feet of by the signal strength on the Bluetooth devices. And so these apps go on your Android or your Apple device, and they, they have an anonymous code to the app that someone else is running. So you can't look at that code and never figure out who it is. It's just tied to a cell phone, but you can't even figure out whose cell phone that is. The only things that know themselves are the individual cell phones. Now, there are ways they do this that make it secure so that you can't tie one of these codes to any individual person or their particular cell phone. What happens though, is that you're, you, you all get together. There are 10 of you who get together. You're all sitting on my front porch, drinking my bourbon, smoking, smoking Phillips cigars and uh, your phones communicate with each other. Uh, the, all these people are within 10 feet of each other. We're all going to store each other's numbers. Then one of you gets COVID-19 and goes to the doctor and tests positive. And the doctor says, do you have the app on your phone? And you say, yes. And the doctor will say, will you allow me to put in a code to activate your, you've tested positive. I need to put in a hospital code to trigger your device. And you will either allow them to or decline. And if you allow them to do so, they will put in a special code uh, that the doctors will have. And that code will trigger the alerts. And so all the people who sat on your front porch with you will get that alert saying someone, you know, won't tell you who someone, you know, has tested positive for COVID-19. You need to go get tested. Please bring your device and show this note. Here are places within your, within a reasonable drive from you where you can get tested. And every other person that that person's come into contact with will also get the test, but not just them. So let, let's let's use the name Joe again. Joe is walking through the grocery store, and Joe has COVID nineteen. He doesn't know it. He's got a cell phone with him. And there are three other people and they are standing around the pickle aisle trying to figure out what the heck is the difference between the, the bread and butter pickles, the dill pickles, the sweet pickles. Where are my baby gherkins? I can't find my gherkins Oh, there. Are the, my, my gherkins. And, and you got the one guy in the little jazzy scooter who's taking his own sweet time there reading his, his coupon paper before he decides which pickle to buy. And so he's got there. There's a cluster of people standing around there. They don't know each other from Adam, never seen each other. They're like, why won't this guy, you got five people here trying to buy pickles? Move. And so he moves away. You get your pickles. Well, in the meantime, Joe's been standing there waiting to buy his his sweet baby gherkins. And he's infected several of those people, but they've all got cell phones. So Joe goes to the doctor, and the doctor triggers the app. And all these people at the grocery store, they get an alert. And it says, uh, the alert says, hey... You have come into contact with someone in the last week who has tested positive for COVID-19. You will never know who you get. No, you don't know, Joe. It's just a, you don't even, remi- you, it, it, it is so, you were so annoyed with the guy who wouldn't get out of the way. So you get your pickles. You don't even remember any of this, but your phone does. And so you'll go to the doctor and you'll get tested and you test negative. Nothing ever happens. But the other person who is waiting because they wanted the pimentos and they had to wait for people to move for the pickles, they go get tested and they're positive. Well, all of their, their phone will go through all the people they've come into contact with and they'll get the alert. And the only person who won't get the alert is that person who also went to the doctor has already gotten the alert. They're not going to get an alert now because the, the apps will be able to sequence that. Uh, Based on uh, Joe, Joe is the one who initially triggered it. Here are all the people. These people overlap. We're going to cancel out an alert so that person doesn't get multiple alerts. Uh, They've got the technology figured out. It's actually, you can read a white paper. You go to apple.com, actually, and you can read the white paper. It actually makes a lot of sense, and European countries are thinking they want to do this. And the issue is privacy, and a lot of people are concerned, will I be able to keep my privacy? And Apple explains how they're able to keep the privacy. It is based on a randomly – so Apple has a chip in their phones now that generates random – Uh, numbers. And the only way you can get them is if you get physical control of the device and get the passcode to be able to get into it. Otherwise, the device can remember these things and no one else can. So Apple can very well ensure your privacy in a way Google and others can. And that's part of Google's hangup. Google has some additional criteria if you read their version of the white paper showing how they're going to keep privacy. It's actually a brilliant idea, though. Almost every single person listening to me right now has a cell phone. Some of you are actually listening to me on your cell phone. And it's a great way to be able to get this. So everybody downloads the app. And when somebody comes, when someone has it, you know immediately, I need to go to the doctor and get tested. And the app will tell you, here's your location. Here are all the people, here are all the places within 10 miles where you can go right now and get tested for free. And off you go. And the tests now that they're trotting out these tests where you only have to wait a few minutes to figure out whether you're positive enough, less than 30 minutes now in some of these testing, and you'll be able to get tested, and they will be able to take care of you. They will be able to make sure that you're okay. I think it's a brilliant idea. If they actually come out with the app, they're developing the app, they're trying to get buy-in from governments on the app. If they do develop it, absolutely, I'm putting it on on my whole family. We'll put it on our phones. I think it's a great idea, and I know that Apple can guarantee my privacy. I don't know about Google, but we've all got Apple devices here, and, and we'll do it. I think it's a good idea. I would encourage people to do it. Uh, technology can help us. And you see, this is this is part of the thing. Whether it's global warming or virus or anything else, I'm a firm believer the American private sector will provide solutions the government won't. And like Bill Gates is using his billions of dollars right now to help find a, vi- find a cure for this virus. And there are all sorts of conspiracy theories that he invented the virus or he's going to get rich off of it or some such. None of it's true. But think of all the Democrats on the campaign trail who said billionaires should not exist. If billionaires did not exist, Bill Gates would not exist, and Bill Gates would not be trying to find a cure for this virus right now. If major American corporations did not exist right now, Apple and Google would not have worked together to find an easy solution to help make our lives easier. It's a great idea. We just got to get buy-in from people to be able to do it. Let me bring you guys up to speed real quick on a news story that is happening at this very moment here in Georgia a, a high school, two high school students in Carrollton, Georgia. I saw Carrollton trending on social media and thought, um, that something must've happened with the virus. And so I, I, I got on the, the video and decided I would check it out and see what's happening with the virus and nope, nope, it's not a virus. Um, it is two students from Carrollton High School in Carrollton, Georgia, my wife is is from there, uh, went to West Georgia University, graduated from West Georgia, started out at a Mercer, and this girl now who made this video uh, went to West Georgia University and it is pure racism and it has exploded on the internet today. This couple, this boy and this girl, I assume their boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, went into a bathroom uh, making a TikTok video and said they were going to make. And when you look into the sink, there's a little piece of paper and it has the N-word written on it. And then they, they pick up cups that have water in them. And underneath one of the cups, it says, uh, no dad. And they pour that in. And then, um, then they pour in another cup that says does drugs and then they do another cup. I think that is uh, lazy and, um, then there's another cup and it says it's something positive and there's nothing in the cup to pour in. And then they add soap, swirl it around and flush it down the drain. That that's that's happening this morning here in Georgia on social media. It looks like they they posted the video sometime overnight. Uh, that they, they've already the the couple has already been identified. Uh, the girl they were Carrollton High School students. The girl is headed off to college, and the internet is out to ruin their lives. And they were idiots, idiots. And someone has posted a series of text messages with the girl defending herself, saying they they never actually thought that anyone would see it. They, they, let me let me let me just clue you people in. Um, saying I never thought anyone would see it is not really an excuse. It's and it's certainly not an apology. Uh, wow. Um, parents, don't let your kids use TikTok. It, it's not just a Chinese surveillance system. And it actually is. It is a Chinese surveillance system. And and when we're all mad at China, every single one of you should get off TikTok. But also, uh, your kids are stupid, and they're going to do stupid things, and their lives are going to be ruined. Um, If From here on out, for the rest of these kids' lives, uh, the Internet is forever, and they will be found. And they will be ruined. And, wow, what a – two idiots, racist idiots at that. Uh, no excuse for doing something like that. They, they should have known better. Uh, and, and well, uh, they're going to they're meet the Internet mob, and they'll, to some degree, deserve it. They'll learn a lesson, and there won't be a lot of recovery from it. When we come back, more of your phone calls, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. And also, we need to talk about Joe Biden. We need to get off the virus and talk about Joe Biden because, man, it's not looking good for him right now. Well, I, I think we just reached peak Trump. The president of the United States has tweeted, liberate Michigan. That's right. Uh, Liberate Michigan. The president has tweeted. Um, Oh boy. Let's go to the phone. (laughs) Liberate Michigan. He says, it also says liberate Virginia. They've taken your Second Amendment rights. Liberate Virginia, he says.
1: Let's go to the folks.
0: Jeff and Marietta. Uh, let's liberate Marietta. Jeff, how are you?
4: We're we're liberated. Good. Thanks <laughs> What's for having going me on. on? Sure. I I have something that I, I don't know. It's ever since the the story about a, a well known steakhouse came out, and that they got twenty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, it's been was it twenty? I thought it was mind. ten. Uh, no, it was 20, I believe. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, I said 10. I
0: said 10 this morning. So, okay, 20. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, and as I understand it, there's a restaurant carve out. You can't have more than 500 employees unless you're a restaurant or something like that. Or a
0: hotel. Restaurant uh, and hotels, yeah.
4: Yeah, and you can't have more than 500 at a location. Fair enough. And as I also understand it, this steakhouse managed to get twice the maximum money by using two subsidiaries, right? Yes. It's yep, yep. Steakhouse subsidiary one and two. So they got twenty million. Uh in four days, four days after the program opened, they had twenty million dollars in their pocket. Uh-huh. Our small company, our small company jumped in on day one, mm-hmm. uh, worked just worked our butts off to get the paperwork, jumped in on day one, asked for nowhere near that amount, trying to get two point five uh times payroll. Just to keep going, uh, we use the same bank that that steakhouse used. Two days later, we got a uh, we got a notice that our application had been received. Mm-hmm. Right, we have not heard a peep since then, and now the money's all gone. Uh, but we also don't have any debt. Right, we are fiscally right. responsible and mm-hmm. don't have any debt. Uh, I. And I've heard this anecdotally through a banking friend at a lower level, that these banks are all of them prioritizing loans for companies that they have previous exposure to. And the greater uh-huh. exposure they have, the, the faster that company gets pushed to the line.
0: Uh, that would not surprise me at all. I, I have heard that as well. In fact, Chase... Is the bank that, that got Ruth Chris through by dividing it into subsidiaries to make it happen. And Chase actually has a bunch of Ruth Chris debt. So, I mean, clearly they, they yep. gave priority. There should be a congressional investigation into this. And that, by the way, is why I've been telling people go to smaller banks, credit unions, building and loans, because the big banks, uh, they, they don't care about your business, even if they got your bank account. Like, for example, I use, um, I, I, I use bank of America for our personal banking. Uh, and I will not use it for my business banking because I I can assure you they don't care about my business. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm not, a am not big and it is a huge problem. In fact, I, I, you know, I've been telling people to go to first Liberty, uh, if FirstLibertyGA.com, the, the Frost family over noon t- to get into the program for their small businesses, they were able to get a lot of people in because they're more nimble, were able to get people in, Uh, they handle everything themselves and have to go through bank bureaucracy, and they can't get people in now because of some of these companies. In fact, you know, I was actually myself going to do the payroll protection program for my employees for this radio show. I don't actually make money off this show. Now, I, I, I do an evening radio show. I, I get a salary from there, but I I don't from the resurgent. I've I've run the resurgent for five years, never took a salary. Uh, running starting this program now have revenue was going to take a salary, decided not to, and was going to get the payroll protection program for my employees uh, just because hard times didn't know what's coming, and I finally decided you know what we're not going to do that. Because there are companies that I don't necessarily need it right now. I assume I'm not going to need it. And there's no reason for me to go apply for it when there are companies who desperately do need it. And I might be depriving them of money. So I declined to, to go through it. My accountant and I talked about it and just said, no, it's, it's not right for me to do. And I realize there are a lot of companies that are doing it who may not need it. Uh, and I understand that Rooster Chris probably does need it. Uh, their restaurants are shut down. But the way that some of these big banks are behaving with this stuff is a real problem. And, and there is a small business backlash coming. And there is a massive, massive wave of individuals who are going to revolt on this and they deserve to, and Congress should get involved. And, and maybe it's time to re-break up some of these big banks. Uh, it, it is it It really is amazing to see some of this stuff happening and the outrage at the little guy who needs the help. And now the Democrats won't even fund the program. Now, we need to talk about Joe Biden a little bit. I need to play you a couple of clips of audio from Joe Biden. He's making the rounds. And I got to tell you, one of the things that Joe Biden is doing is he's reading. Joe Biden is reading the notes. He's reading the messages. He's reading the things that he says, oh, my goodness gracious and
5: one of the things that i think we keep coming back to and i've spent this morning talking to the docs that that used to work with sanjay in our last administration and heads of other entities uh, that uh um you know it gets down to testing it's about uh testing tracing and treatment and uh and still we're way behind on the testing piece and i don't quite i don't quite understand why we're taking so long to do the kinds of things that that have to be done um you know there's a uh, during world war ii uh you know where roosevelt came up with a thing uh that uh you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the world war ii he had the world the, the war production board well i don't know why we don't set up something like a pandemic production board
0: uh and he read notes the whole time let's keep them coming i mean people are frightened they're frightened people we
5: know who aren't close friends who have access to our telephone number how to get a hold of us and these 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 round tables we do with people who are in the front lines who are the are, we i mean they're they're scared to death joe Joe, basic things like how how do I go home? <clears throat> Our son-in-law is a physician, up in uh, a surgeon, up in uh, Philadelphia, one of the major hospitals, and he talks about. The nurses who are afraid to go home because they may get their children get infected. They have little kids at home. What are they going to do? How are they going to take care of their child? What's going to happen when they can't see mom? We have a friend who tries to go to the nursing home and sit outside a window and put her hand Mm. up on the first floor window to just be able to touch her mother's hand at the other side. And now the mother's not able to get up and even do that. These are people who are frightened and they're looking for leadership. And what bothers me, What bothers me so much is the President of the United States doesn't take responsibility. The President of the United States acts like this is not, 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 nothing is his fault. Nothing is his responsibility. You know, Franklin Roosevelt made the case that, look, just tell the American people the truth. I'm paraphrasing. They can handle it. But you got to let them know what you're doing. You got to let them know you understand their pain.
0: Okay. Yes. But. The president has done that. Has he not seen the press conferences? You know, the president actually got blown up yesterday by journalists for not recognizing the knowledge and of – of the people in the the private sector who were participating in fighting the virus. He got blown up for not acknowledging workers laid off. He got blown up for not acknowledging unemployment. He's been doing that at virtually every single press conference for the past several weeks. And yet yesterday he didn't, as he's talking about reopening the economy and they attacked him for all of it.
5: One last thing, look, Anderson, you and I've talked about this. We have an opportunity now to take, in a recovery act a real recovery we can fundamentally change the science relating to
0: global warming So we're going to now wrap in and make this about global way to way to get people who, who are skeptical to go along with you on, on fighting COVID-19. This, by the way, this gets to the point I was making earlier that one of the reasons there's so much skepticism of people on the right is because the constant desire of the left to hijack situations like this for their pet agenda. When your pet agenda never changes in the light of a crisis, it suggests maybe there is no crisis. One more joe biden clip
5: kinds of things that that have to be done um you know there's a uh, during world war ii uh you know where roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the world war ii he had the world the, the war production board
0: Th- that's that's the shorter excerpt of the first clip i play, just to give you a sense of it yeah He's old, he's old, I wonder, I I wonder if it's possible to find someone who could be his vice presidential nominee, who isn't going to scare the bejesus out of people who don't like the president who would be competent to be president. And the reason I say that is I keep thinking of the Stacey Abrams example. Abrams is actively lobbying to be the vice presidential nominee for Joe Biden. She really is. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's the Vanity Fair pro they're doing to her, the Beto O'Rourke treatment. Now uh, you, you got the New York times op-ed about it. You got the Vanity Fair piece. You got democratic politicians and they're all oh, Stacey, Stacey, Stacey. She's our girl. She's our girl. She's never been elected to anything other than a state house seat in Georgia. They want her to be essentially the, the de facto president for Grandpa Joe, who'll get lost in the White House. I, I, you know, I just, I, I think maybe I could be completely wrong, but I'm, I just, I, I think that there are probably people who are thinking, you know, what? I don't like the president. I think he's done a bad job here. I, I go with Joe, and he gets some radical leftist to be his vice presidential nominee. They're like, ah. I think I'm going Trump Pence. If it's the battle of geriatrics, let me at least go with the one who, if he dies, we get a competent president by the vice president. It, it really is. This, this Joe Biden thing, y'all. By the way, the president has raised over $200 million. Uh, Biden and the Democrats are struggling to come up with a an agreement uh, by which uh, to share money. Elizabeth Warren has finally come out begrudgingly and endorsed Joe Biden. I mean, it, it it was it was painful. It was painful. You could she did not want to. I'm in Biden. I'm Biden because you could beat the me. Back to the Indian reservation with her. Uh it, it, wow. It is. This Biden thing, y'all, I don't – you know, to some degree, Biden benefits by the virus because he doesn't have to be on the campaign trail. He doesn't have to be out there doing events. He can do very guarded interviews where he can have his – and he's clearly he, – he's reading his notes. He, he, he's clearly reading notes. And he's got sympathetic audiences with members of the media who don't like the president who are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt but even then he's not doing well he's he, he struggles with his thoughts he's got to look down at his notes kinds of things
5: that that have to be done um you know there's a uh, during world war ii uh you know where roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh you know was totally different than a then the the it's called, he called it the you know the World War II. he had the war the, the War Production Board.
0: Man, the Biden Trump debate is going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. Will it even have? If they do it, will there even be a crowd? Will they socially distance from the crowd? Man, on Tuesday, must listen radio for you. Tuesday morning, uh, the CEO of Waffle House is going to join me on the program uh, to talk about uh, what they're doing, uh, how they're coping with the virus, their supply chain stuff. Uh, Looking forward to talking to him. Excited by it. Also, Abby uh, at our flagship station sends me word. UGA has moved in-person commencement exercises. There will be an online congratulatory message on May 8th when graduation was supposed to happen. Uh, who are the nerds who are going to rush to their computer to see that on May 8th? You know, they're going to be some. Oh, we have to watch our congratulatory. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be making light of it. I realize they're trying to do something nice, but come on. Uh, spring 2020 undergraduate commencement is going to be Friday evening, October 16th, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. With the away game against Missouri, uh, October 17th. So you'll be able to, to go have graduation and hang out for the Missouri game the next day, spring 2020. Uh, Graduate commencement for master's and doctoral degree candidates will be Friday afternoon, December 18th, my wife's birthday, December 18th at 2.30 p.m. at Stegman Coliseum in combination with the regularly scheduled fall 2020 graduate commencement. So they're going to try to do in-person commencement by December. Assuming life goes on and we don't have another virus outbreak, life should go back to normal we need to have college football. And you know, there are some governors out there now saying that they're not even going to have college football this coming year. I'm telling you guys, here's my thinking. I think we've needed to do what needed to be done. We needed to do what needed to be done. We needed to do what we did. We needed to shelter in place. And I realize there are, there are a very vocal minority of people who disagree with me on this. And, and you get the luxury of saying it's no big deal because you sheltered in place and this thing didn't get as out of control as it otherwise would have. But Sweden, but Sweden, but Sweden leads the deaths in Europe now, or in, in Scandinavian countries, uh, because they didn't shelter in place. Um, you, you get the luxury of saying it's no big deal. You get the luxury of saying, well, well few people died uh, because we sheltered in place. More people have died in now seven weeks of this than died in the 2018 2019 flu season, which was a six month period. Uh, and this is a bad thing, and it is overwhelming hospitals in parts of the country. You know, somebody actually emailed me yesterday and said, You know, we didn't do this sort of stuff with polio, and we were having polio epidemics in, in the 1950s, and you know, you're right. We were, uh, except uh, the difference between polio and this is that the polio epidemics of the 30s, 40s, 50s, well, the, the biggest, by the way, the biggest polio epidemic was in the 1940s. There's a, there was a reason we didn't shelter in place in the 1940s during the polio epidemic. It involved a, a short little man with a tiny mustache. In the 1950s, uh, we had the the second biggest polio outbreak in the United States. But the difference is that one it affected kids more than adults, but two, actually, we did shelter in place in those communities. Uh, people were quarantined in those communities. Businesses shut down in those areas to, to contain the epidemic. It, it wasn't a global pro- It wasn't a global problem. It wasn't a nationwide problem. It was a regional problem. Oftentimes, it was more suburban and, and really urban areas than anywhere else. And it'll, it'll frequently affected New York City, ma- major, major cities, the New York City area, the Boston area, San Francisco, but it didn't affect the whole nation. Um, you know, we're going to be arguing about this for the rest of our lives, I'm sure. And we, we have approached the time where we will go back to work and people will say it's no big deal. It was no big deal. We wrecked our economy for no big deal. And they'll be able to say that because we sheltered in place. That That's my position. And there will be a lot of people who are mad about that. But that's my position, that, that you get to be able to say, we wrecked the economy for nothing, and you get to say it because you stayed home and didn't spread the virus. But you know what? Yeah, I, I have a fear. While we're here at the end of the program, let me, let me tell you what my fear is. We'll get out of the house and... It'll start spreading again, and there'll be a lot of people who said, "I'm not getting back in my house. This was no big deal. Hardly anybody died," and it'll be far worse. That that's what happened in the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. That's one of the reasons it was so bad, is because it was it, it made the first wave, and people didn't think it was. People thought it was exaggerated claims, and so they didn't pay attention to the second wave, and they all went out and about and did their business, and people started falling over dead, and by then it was too late. I hope we don't get to that point. Now, on that somber note, um, you guys have a good weekend. Before I get out of here, I want to tell you again, um, I couldn't do this show without sponsors. Chris Burns and Dynamic Money, he's not just a good friend. He is my financial advisor. And you can go to dynamicmoney.com. Uh, and and thank you to Dynamic Money for sponsoring the program, for being our first sponsor. Uh, and FirstLibertyGA.com, First Liberty Georgia, the Frost family, could not do this on a daily basis without these people stepping up and taking a chance on me as the show continues to grow now. Uh, we, we have picked up stations every single month since August that we've been on and continue to do so. And now Mrs. Griffin's Barbecue Sauce, which actually is a great barbecue sauce, and, and that's another reason I want my rec deck grill, um, is is to use more Mrs. Griffin's. But they stepped up uh, and, and are an advertiser. And uh, Roland Neal, thank you very much. Uh, you should go try Mrs. Griffin's barbecue sauce. Take care of our sponsors. They take care of us. We'll take care of you. And you guys take care this weekend. Have a great weekend. And I will talk to you all on Monday.